The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Why is shame such a powerful emotion? How does it affect us mentally, physically, emotionally? I'm Nadia Davis. I'm a mom, author, attorney, and kundalini yoga teacher who has experienced public shaming that brought me to my knees. On this podcast, I'm going to tell you how I'm living the work taking shame out of the shadows. I'll give you real-life advice and skills to take away with you throughout your day. You'll hear from powerful guests who have overcome trauma and emerged stronger than ever. You too can ban the shame within and around you. Join me. You are not alone. Hi, everybody. Welcome home. Welcome to a place that is safe and judgment-free, a place where we can share with vulnerability, or you can build a space within you where you can share, cry, and be vulnerable if you can't find that place outside you. And the best way that I challenge myself every single day to do that is to tell myself that I have a choice every single day between love, which is soul, which is truth, and fear judgment, which is my mind, our minds that are survivalist, that we so easily forget about. It's this ego mind that helps us survive. But most of the time, our thoughts are based on fear and judgment that can easily become shame. And I personally despise shame because I believe it separates us from our true selves and from each other. And it creates a lot of havoc and, um, just a lot of heartache. And so to choose love, we're going to aim to recognize our fears and judgments so they don't turn into shame and um, just tap into what they're teaching us. And there's so much that they're teaching us, those fears and judgments of ourselves and others that really all come from like core wounds and the way that our mind kind of builds and adds more and more layers um, making living feeling overwhelming or just uh, isolated and alone. And so we drag them out of the shadows and talk about them so that that does not happen. And I'm super, super happy because today we have the most special guest of all the guests, I will and can say, because he is my oldest son, Diego Lockyer. And we will be continuing a conversation from the first one that I encourage you to listen to. That is episode three. And in our last conversation, Diego brought up his 
his ways of not only finding the truth, but of his healing journey and kind of what he does every day. And he brought up how we all have an innate curiosity and that when we can tap into the wonder of children, that that he believes and I agree, can be a starting place on any healing journey. And so um, he talked a little bit about how in modern society and all the expectations, particularly of his generation, how that um, stifles, you know, we make our our to-do lists, we have all these outside expectations and that it kind of... um, requires a real commitment to respond when we're curious in a hobby or or curious about, you know, something that brings us joy and that when we can tap into that regularly, that that kind of opens the doors to to make real the term self-care and healing and and other things, tapping into your truth, but that it requires um, some dedication to setting aside time for those things and for that curiosity. He also talked about what was super cool, the scientific method and how, you know, we think it's this formula Um, that only scientists use, but how it can be applied to everyday life. And I was going to kind of start there. But what this all encapsulated was the fact that we're going into Latinx month. And so as I was thinking about, okay, motherhood, my son, I thought about my father. And what I shared in the first episode about this grin and bear it mode that I learned from my father, his story is all in chapter one of home is within you and how um, it's a good thing to have a grin and bear it, how his generation just totally epitomized it. And yet like what would be real progress like in terms of entering Latin next month and, and, um, his grandson's kind of approach today in life. And I thought, well, for mine, it certainly was increased mental health awareness, increased um, self-compassion on my own trauma and addiction recovery journey. And then when Diego shared, it was more than just kind of awareness. It was like a real authentic um just an authenticity with in his peer group about the challenges his, his generation faced, including stuff with COVID, including stuff with like the political landscape and um, you know, a sense of an obligation to the environment and to equality and, and just like that awareness at a deeper level, at a more specific level, I thought was fascinating progress from a grin and bear it mode where you don't even talk about those things to, in my father's generation, to mine kind of learning the hard way 
with hard falls and picking ourselves back up and then how we can support the next generation, um, my oldest son, to make it even, even more progressive and progress. So I want to allow Diego to start where he wants to start um, in continuing that conversation. So we will go there. And then there's something else I want to ask you about. So how did this concept of diving into the innate curiosity come up? And where would you like to go on that? How have you used it today? <laughs> um, well, I'll start with today. Uh, actually, I just... Uh, reinstalled a really great program on my computer called um, Universe Sandbox. That is a like uh, a real life physics based simulation uh, of space and of gravity and oh of things up to the scale of galaxies and um, may maybe even superclusters. Um, and I was playing around with making my own solar system and uh, just, that is so cool. And it simulates everything from like the orbital periods of planets and their surface temperatures and water cycles in turn. And um, like it, you can make you can make your own solar system using real life physics principles. It's very cool. Um, so you're using physics as you're creating this. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, you consider things like the distance to the star, like for whether the planet you're creating will have a stable surface temperature for water, the Goldilocks mm -hmm. zone and all that. Um, and so I was just having fun, just playing around. And I was like, you know what? I'm a little bored today. Why don't I play around with this and try it out? <laughs> okay, um, folks, he hasn't started school yet. So yeah. <laughs> he, um, when do you start school? Uh, the 21st. Okay. Actually, it's a little late. So, um, and that was that meaning was, he's really hard on himself and studies hard all the time. So I'm glad you're getting this curiosity and this this play, um, playful source set in stone, so you know you can go to it anytime. Yeah. So same. Um, and mm -hmm. so uh, that's that's what I was doing today, I guess, to uh, exp you know. Uh, foster my innate curiosity um and i i was doing that for maybe like 30 minutes or whatever and it improved my day a lot you know just mm -hmm. kind of having a space to go and do that every once in a while because the rest of today has just been chores uh mm -hmm. talking with roommates so i was like you know what let's do this um let's try something random um and that kind of brings me back to the last episode where we talked about um, random excursions or random uh, like tangents that one can go down. I think mm -hmm. the best way to start with your like innate curiosity or whatever, or, or kind of rebuilding that or finding it again, is to try that one thing you've always wanted to try. Just go for it, make time for it. And then once you try it, first of all, you've always wanted to try it, 
now you're having a great time. But second of all, it might even turn into something you spend more and more time on and you get really invested in. And then suddenly you have another base, another foundation to make the rest of your life that much easier because you have something to look forward to. Um, and it's kind of a superpower. And that, <laughs> those more. are my two cents. Say more. So it, this, again, this is helping to stay present, to, to slow down, and to, um, yeah, to be able to be present, to enjoy college. And that, in turn, can help to increase mindfulness about fears and judgments and um, shame. And if it, if it slowly, you know, eases its, oozes its way in, um, is kind of the, the connection. And how um, has there been moments... Have there been moments where, you know, the stress about the move and upcoming classes and things have been there? And how, how like, have you walked through it with this curiosity? Oh, for sure. Um, uh, usually, curiosity is just a portion of the, the whole package. Um when I first moved here, I was pretty stressed with setting everything up. I mean, you were there for part of that. It was quite a lot the first few days. Mm -hmm. um, and you were an amazing help. Um, but I remember I was like, okay, I have to get all this stuff done and get set up because I don't want to live like this. And having um, having a lack of like things set up, or whatever, and then I also need to go interact with roommates. All of that is like really stressful to me. There's a lot that I need to do. There's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders, but I want to get reacquainted. I want to get into a place where both my room and the living room and the rest of the house feels like home through the mm -hmm. people and the things that I surround myself with. Um, that being my roommates and my decorations. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and so it was a lot. And curiosity helped me in the sense that I wanted to learn about people and I wanted to try new things with my house, with slow, with moving in, um, and to meet the, the house cat, Gigi, um, all sorts of little things <laughs> oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Um, really good. She's wonderful. Uh, she came over this morning and like sat on my lap and was purring. It was very cute. Um, she's, she goes from being very sleepy and cuddly during the day to like crazy climbs everything during the night. It's mm -hmm. quite funny. Um, but can you hear me all right, by the way? Yes. Okay. Um, I would say that, uh, doing things a little by little and taking the the big picture the overwhelming weight of what needs to be done or the overwhelming weight of responsibility and turning it into small little tasks really makes it achievable first of all but also way more fun mm -hmm. um because then you can complete your set of tasks and make it fun as you do it or something like that. Like listen to music 
or add like a treat at the end or something like that. Um, uh, or, or use it to switch up your routine by throwing an extra thing in there or something like that. Um, that's a good way to start when like one is intimidated by everything that's happening, I feel like. Um, and that kind of ties into that sense of curiosity because what's driving you to take those first few steps is the, the desire to find out what happens next. Right. That's always something that I feel like that's, that's just a simple thing everyone can relate to. We always want to know how things are going to go, what's going to happen next, where this is going. And so you, <laughs> you focus your vision, you do tiny little things at a time, and you make it fun along the way. And then there's the promise of finding out how it all turns out at the end of that long and dark tunnel it all looks a little better. It all feels a little bit better. And like I said, it's actually achievable because you're not overwhelmed by the choices. You're not paralyzed by the chance of failure. Um, and so well, that, was, yeah. You also shared about the scientific method. And when I was talking to you in the, in the, our last conversation, um, did that just pop into your head or was it like something you thought about before? Um, uh, or do you have had that as a practice in your life? And so if you can quickly review it and then also share the, its origin. <laughs> I, um, I believe I first got the idea from one of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's talks um, where he was, was talking... He? He's an uh, astrophysicist. Okay. Uh, What's his name again? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay. Uh, he is a like big science communicator. He's on a lot of documentaries like Cosmos, if you've seen that. Um, oh, yeah. And he's kind of like the successor to Carl Sagan and that he is like the one of the like space guys like the bill nye of space if that makes sense okay. um and so i think i don't remember with the context but neil degrasse tyson was talking about the power of the scientific method and scientific thinking for uh the health of society and of everyone um and it was just a really cool talk and i remember the sort of practical way that he decompressed the this like completely cold and text uh, and uh, like textual set of steps mm -hmm. down into something actually relatable and something applicable to life. And I was like, oh, like the scientific method is more than just a set of steps for an experiment or whatever. It's it's a way to see the world. Um, so, and how yeah. have you applied that in your life, if you can remember? And um, again, how does this assist with just mindfulness and and knowing that um, a thought is a thought that's separate from who your your true self is? Like, and that's a big question. But like, if you can give an example, it's such a great offering to people. So the scientific method in an overview yeah. is what are the five or the four steps? Um, 
Yeah, so quickly as an overview, um, it always begins with some sort of observation or question. You're looking out at the world, you're being mindful of yourself and your surroundings, and you're aware that things are happening. This is often the first and most important step, right? So an example for you would be you're going to class the first day or... Yeah, yeah. So an example for me might be I'm going to class for the first day. I am noticing the like set of people out before me in the classroom. Maybe some people look interesting. Maybe some people are looking at me. The teacher is uh, just getting into class and they're setting up for lecture or something like that. And then also this observatory thing includes myself. Maybe I'm looking at the emotions that I'm feeling and I'm giving them names. I'm trying to understand what's going on. Maybe I'm a bit excited. Uh, maybe I'm a bit nervous. Maybe I'm curious or um, maybe a little embarrassed because maybe I have a, it's a bad hair day and it's the first day of school. <laughs> I don't want to have a bad impression. Um, and so I'm aware of all of these things. I'm kind of keeping track of them in my brain. I'm cataloging. I am understanding right okay and so then comes the question now we want to ask questions we want to question everything so the first step is observation yes okay question observation okay. second is is question question okay um so now let's say i walk into the classroom and i'm a little embarrassed because it's a bad hair day and I go to quickly find a seat, front few seats. I don't sit in the very front of the classroom, but I usually sit in like, like a row back or something like that, like very close to the front, but not in the front because I don't want to be that person. Um, but I am there, right? And so okay. let's say I rush to my seat before going around and introducing myself. Now, if I'm aware of this, then comes the question. And I ask myself, why am I feeling so embarrassed? Why am I feeling anxious? Why did I rush to this seat and go out of my way to get situated before mm -hmm. doing anything? Um, and so now we're asking questions. We're asking about how we're feeling. We're asking about our surroundings. Um, we're asking questions to ourselves, right? And so you're more present in the moment. We're already present in the moment, but this is the step that it takes to then change that behavior. If you don't like mm -hmm. it to react differently, to be more proactive and right. to get out of patterns and habits. If you're observing and then questioning when you observe in that moment, it's such a big difference. It's That's hard to question. It's hard to go from observing to questioning in the moment, but if it's possible, completely different horizons are available. Completely different ways of okay. acting, right? Or of like get of what situations you might get yourself into. So let's say I've sat down and I'm pondering, why did I do that? Why did I rush to the seat instead of like introducing myself to people? And so the answer to that might be, if I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm understanding my emotions. 
well, it's the first day of school. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit emotionally overwhelmed and there's a lot of new faces and people. So I needed a moment to rest and reevaluate. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. And then I feel a little better about that. And then I give myself the space to do that. And then suddenly, instead of feeling bad, I have gone through the question, come to it through my observations, and then I've, I've looked at my data. This is the third step. I've analyzed the data, my emotions. Mm -hmm. The observations are, in this case, part of the data. And I've come to a conclusion, step number four, or five. It's... There are like in between steps ish, mm -hmm. but like the important thing to do is observe, question, analyze, or look at the data. Maybe experiment is included in that, and then conclude. And so well, there's a fine. Go ahead. So I've come into the classroom. I was a little nervous. I reacted in this interesting way instead of being proactive about it. As I sat down and had a moment to my thoughts. I considered what I was feeling and what was going on, and then I, I figured it out, and then I reacted accordingly. Let's say, knowing what I know now that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, I gave myself a moment to breathe and to slow down, to set up my stuff so that I don't feel overwhelmed for when class starts. And then, when all that is done, I try something different. I stand up and I start walking around the classroom. Either I'm looking around or I'm introducing myself to people. And I'm reminding myself that I just felt overwhelmed in the beginning and it's totally normal and I just needed a moment to breathe and that's okay. That's not embarrassing. Um, now, how do we balance that, that um, being you know, a positive, a good thing with self-consciousness that is, you know, or how do we prevent it from becoming like an over self-consciousness? Did I say confidence? I meant a self-consciousness um, that just gets all like consuming where, you, where you, you know, you're not present. Um, like how, how, how can we balance that where it's a, a so, positive thing? Because there's a difference. What does it feel like to you when you're in a robotic mode and automatically doing something and not knowing why versus the level you're talking about that where it's a conscious. It, it always comes back to the observing. Okay. Oftentimes when we think we're observant, especially in like an anxious state, we are actually tunneling our vision into a very specific set of things. We might be hyper aware of one thing, but that hyper awareness is actually distorting the full view of the situation. Right. And so to get out of that space, the easiest thing to do is to observe that and then ask the question, why right. am I so anxious here? What is my body and mind going through? And then that question on its own even if you don't have an answer for it yet. You don't have to have a specific response, but even that question can immediately widen your perspective and take you out of that mindset. Because then you're questioning, why am I feeling this way? And suddenly it's not so personal, it's detached, it's an observation.
not a part of you. So this brings up um, exactly the, um, the mantra, which is, um, I am not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. And that is a, a saying that I wrote on a post-it um, when I had that clicking moment several years ago. And you can come up with your, with your own mantra, but it, what it does is it's like, it's, it's not a self-consciousness at, at all. It's a certain mindfulness. It's like, okay, you know, well, I'm not my hair <laughs> hmm. and I'm not tired. So it's okay if I'm nervous because that's just the way my body and mind work. But that is not me. My true self is a infinite soul and designed perfectly as it was meant. And so it's like, I'm okay. I'm here in this body with these thoughts right now. But I know who I am. I know my truth. This is all just the package carrying it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meaning your intelligence, your brilliance, your yearning to learn, your excitedness or your, 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 you know, what you're offering in that moment, that day for your classmates. Yeah. What you are, will, what you have been, what you are, what you will be is unchanged by that nervousness. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not to undervalue the importance of those emotions. Like they are there and they are important and they are affecting you in this moment. Your body is being affected probably. And so is your mind by extension since they're connected. Um, That's Or vice versa. But um, that that doesn't mean they define you. Was preventing shame. Yeah. Exactly right there. And so, you know, I think the biggest part for me is um, to make a separation between what those emotions are and what you are because you are anxious you are not an anxious person because yeah. you are b- embarrassed you are not an embarrassing person that's etc etc et and so it's it's um it's just a it's like a blip in existence it's like a a brief cloud one might pass through or something like that um and it will pass. Yes. Just like all things. Um, and being aware of it can make that a lot easier because suddenly, instead of seeing only the cloud that you're stuck in, you can see through the fog because it's just fog. It's just a part of life. You can look. That's beautiful. Yeah. So your mind isn't dictating and labeling and taking a life of its own with a story. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so besides observing, because observing can be like a soup, you know, a source of anxiety or, or often not enough, then we want to develop that mindset. Because I think that first step, observing and questioning, is also a mindset. It's It's a... Curiosity. It's it's a it's a respect of self. 
Okay. And a there's a bit of curiosity in there, I suppose. Um, it's respect of self is beautiful. I think curiosity puts like a positive spin on whatever situation you might be in, because then it's like, oh, like this is interesting that this is happening to me. Why am I feeling this way from a point of interest, right? Okay. Or you can then reshift your focus from oneself to the exterior, which is sometimes helpful for people to ease that anxiety or to uh, figure out the emotions within is to then look out and be like, okay, what's going on in front of me? And maybe that will recenter them, kind of bring them back out of their head into the moment. Or it might uh, provide the answers to their questions, like with, uh, how they're feeling or what's going on because maybe they notice oh this other person's nervous I'm not alone or something like that mm-hmm. right we're right. all going through the same thing that's beautiful it's it's beautiful so how if at all and I believe you did did the curiosity or did the scientific method um, come into play, you know, during your high school stressful years? And at that time, did you have these tools? And how was it, what was it like, perhaps at that time when there were the COVID stresses and then there were the, the, you know, me being sent away and watching, you know, the little ones pain and all the pain that you went through in those times, um, could these be used or how did, how did, um, these evolve? Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't really follow that mantra in high school until the very end of it, at least. Um, I, 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 I was improving and I was getting better, but I wasn't follow. I didn't have a, a process. I just was kind of eventually jolted in the right direction. Um, and then I understood what that meant, and then I was somewhere. Um, then I stood on my feet. But um, it's very easy for life to kind of sweep people up when they least expect it. Um, and like put a wrench in what you think you believe or how you think things should or can be um, and kind of throw all of that out of the window. And in high school, especially through COVID, that was especially apparent. Um, My sort of upward trend, my growth, my change, my progression stagnated for some time um, through COVID and, and it was just kind of like the same thing every day. And to to an extent, that was comforting um, because I 
expected nothing new, but it was also sad because I expected nothing new. And that curiosity was kind of fading away um, mm. as time went on. I mean, as a great example, um, the uh, D&D campaign that my friend Jaden started in uh, sophomore year of high school, that went until around, I think it was around early junior year, um, ended. And then there were future talks of D&D. We were going to do something else. And then COVID started and all those plans were out of the window. At this time, I didn't have an online group for something mm. like that. And also uh, things like the Sailing Club, which was a great source of like mm-hmm. weekend um like hangouts and fun with friends and also exercise was also canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the newspaper club, the writing club, gone, gone. And then the social aspect of school, just the daily little things, um, especially the support that we got from teachers um, who often were great and fostered my curiosity in high school. Um were all gone all of it just like swept by like this wave the wave of covid um and you know there are often uh situations that happen like that in life that are out of our control and for a time you're probably not next yeah and for a time you're probably not going to be living by a mantra and that's okay um it was very much just a transitionary period of my life and a, um, a less eventful one. Um, uh, so the scientific method didn't really come up, uh, except till the end. Um, however, I think having gone through that, mm-hmm did provide me the insight later on to understand why I was feeling the way that I did and to understand that it's kind of like, you know, the, the saying where like by, I don't, I don't know exactly how it goes, but the lesson of it is like by being in a low place, you can then appreciate the high, Mm -hmm much more or much better covid emerging from covid helped me understand what it was that i missed what it was that i appreciated from before Mm -hmm. and so having that in the back of my mind as we finally were emerging from quarantine really reminded me what was important to me in life and what i valued and that was the like, first of many steps to like then what? like being a social hanging out with people and doing things together that were intellectually and emotionally and physically fulfilling human connection yeah um and you know that manifests in like a million different ways but that was like the centerpiece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going from like just 
getting out of quarantine senior year, like we're just getting back into things, but we're still kind of hybrid online school to the thrill and the fun of the summer. And then the first year, freshman year of high school, or sorry, of college, which is like the complete opposite of quarantine in the sense that like I'm in a big dorm community, I'm meeting lots of new people and experiencing lots of new things was like the in, the complete like opposite to COVID and, and quarantine and what had been happening in the past. Maybe a little too much freshman year, um, but it helped me understand what I wanted and then I pursued those things and then I had them again. And so it was, it was a learning experience, um, all in all. Is it one that I wish I had? Like, do I wish COVID happened in the quarantine? No, absolutely not. But I am at a place where I can appreciate the value that I got from it. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that no, at that time, I did not have the scientific method. I did not live my life by any sort of mantra. And I didn't feel like I was fulfilled in mm. various aspects of life, mantra or not. I mean, you know, you don't have to live by a mantra. And it's also unrealistic to assume you're going to live every day in right. a specific way. But I digress. And your mantra is the scientific method or what, what would kind you of, yeah. Okay. Uh, that, and then like the, uh, the fostering of my true self, which I think combine the, the, the questioning and then the, the whole, all the processes have deeper steps to me that would take a lot of time to explain, mm -hmm. but more or less. Yeah. I try to live by well, we're the scientific We're going to dive method. into it more. It's yeah, okay. really, really cool. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll dive into it um, over several discussions. Yeah. If you'd like about the what does it feel like? What is it to observe? Uh huh. And you know, it's not like some some um, nugget of time. It's like you get more and more insight, probably, into the observation if it's something that's. Um, pretty significant, not going into a new classroom and being nervous, but like what you're doing right now, reflecting back on a time and a time, a period in your life. Um, do you know what I'm saying? So if you're observing back, there'll be a lot of downloads. Oh and, yeah. And then there'll be you a gotta lot. You got to do it. It, it. it also like, you can look at the same thing over and over again and learn something new every time. Yeah. Um, it's it's just the the mindset of perseverance of continuing to ask that those questions over and over again and almost like being annoying to yourself in the sense that like you are questioning everything that you're feeling mm -hmm. not to like a hyper or intellectualized or yeah. compartmentalized way but you're questioning things and you're observing these things and those insights are like almost like building pieces of a puzzle and the puzzle is you. One thing that you're reminding me of exactly right now is, is, is 
this helps with lifting the layers that our mind creates. And these core beliefs is what my therapist talks about. Like what were the core beliefs from early on? And then your mind latches onto um, that and creates all sorts of fears and judgments. And that'll stay with you your whole entire life unconsciously. Um, And so one that may have come from that time in your life, and this is just from personal like experience and what, what I learned in my healing journey to be more mindful and is, you know, there was like a, personally, it was like a fear of abandonment, a fear of, you know, losing of worthiness. And so there may be something that, that uh, you can get from your reflection back that is a, a core belief your mind was really latching onto, like purpose. <laughs> was, it, was it like a was it like a belief like you have no purpose unless you're, you know, um, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there, but there's something that kept getting triggered during that time. Um, and more and more is revealed. Yeah. And you'll see the re- repeated kind of pattern, like, you know, the isolation may brought up like fear of, purpose, fear of worthiness or things of that sort, because you were forced to be isolated and you didn't constantly have reaffirmation. Mm. Um, It may not be that, but um, when you point it out, like more and more is revealed, it does. Yes, more and more is revealed, but they all kind of come back to this set of core beliefs that you can have as kind of a starting place when you're doing that observing. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think they may have been? And then I know you need to go. Uh, It's, it's okay. Uh, I think uh, affirmation, as you mentioned, is like a really good example of that. But during Um, that time, what do you think was coming up? Like, um, it was really overriding uh, it, that the mind was using to kind of keep you in this. Well, I think one word that comes to mind is uh, unfulfillment, lack of fulfillment, whatever. Um, and that, at least for me and how my mind works, has a lot of baggage attached to it. Um, if it's academic fulfillment, then it's like, actually, sorry, if it's any kind of unfulfillment, then it's uh, feelings of self-worth that come up. Um, Okay. Yeah. And of uh, value and uh, compatibility. Um, uh, And ability, I guess. All of those things. I guess that is just more self-worth. And for how my mind works there's a situation and then i will attach personal aspects of myself to that situation and i will personalize it it's almost like i take the thing that's happening and i like put it in my chest like i make it me um and that's problematic if the situation is not a good one um or at least not a desirable one Mm -hmm. right or a stable one um because then I'm unstable, right? Or mm. et cetera, et cetera. Then, be, then I assume 
what I am, uh, what I am capable of, and what I contribute or exist as, or whatever, is that situation. Right. Um, and so that's volatile. That's not good for my mind. Um, and it's not fulfilling. And it's a self-repeating cycle until you make the separation between the situation and the self. And you're tr- exactly. Um, yeah, and that's so. Beautiful. So that's now that kind of how kind I would of describe identified it. that. Yeah. Y- you'll be even more, or we can be more and more aware of of how the mind is creating the thoughts. Like it's one thing to be recognize the feeling. And then the thought it's creating. And it's another thing to know how your brain just worked to make it. Yeah. Sorry. One second. That's okay. So. Okay. uh, Yeah. That, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay. We will start our next conversation with what is calculus what is astrophysics and we can also expand um definitely over these conversations about the scientific method and more the depths of each step and it's a brilliant diego way of staying connected to his true self and mindfulness and ways that he is choosing love every day as best he can over his fears and judgments. And so I love this other way. It's awesome. And thank you so much, dear son. Thank you. Thank you. You are not alone. If you are dealing with shame and trauma, please reach out to me through my website, nadia-davis.com. You can get a free band shame tip sheet and find out about upcoming events. I'd love it if you picked up my book, Home is Within You, wherever books are sold. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to follow me on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sending warm hugs. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.